leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit BeNext.ThinkMoCo.com to see how we can help you be next. Incoming pitch, spin rate of 2,500 RPM, 95.6 miles per hour. Uh, adjusting swing, 12 degrees. Proceed with launch angle. Welcome, folks, to the February 22nd, 2022, holy hell, that's a lot of twos. Anyway, edition of the Launch Angle Podcast. That's when you say it out loud, that kind of struck me there. Anyway, I'm Van Lee, your host, and I'm going to be joined by Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver here in just a bit, and we'll talk some more baseball stuff. We ended up taking a week off last week. We just had schedules kind of mess up and with the horrible news coming out from the MLBPA versus MLB stuff, we were just a little annoyed with that. So anyway, we're back. We're in full force. We're putting out some great stuff today. Continuing down the list of ADP analysis, we'll talk a handful of catchers. We'll talk Giovanni Urshela, Casey Mize, Jesus Aguilar. There are some interesting names of note here, so definitely stay tuned for that. We also cover a couple of news and notes items, Josh Jung getting hurt, and the upcoming labor draft, which you should be paying attention to. So stay tuned for that. I don't really have anything else to say, so let's go ahead and take a quick break, bring on Jeff and Rob, and talk some baseball. Here's the pitch. Uh, Welcome back to the show. I'm Van Lee alongside Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver. Jeff, welcome back. We had a bit of a week off. I'm sure it was a deserved bit of a break there for you, but are you ready to get back to the action? Yeah, I'm, I don't know how long I can kind of keep the motivation going if MLB and the players, how long their negotiations go on, but hopefully within a couple of weeks we have it. If it goes much longer than that, we'll, we'll see how motivated I become. There you go. How about you, Rob? One out of ten. Scale one to ten. How motivated are you right now for this season? Oh, I'm 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 a, a, a nine point eight uh, van. I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing a draft. So I, I uh, I'm I, I, yeah. It's no, a real no, no, no. one. Uh, it's a real one. It's a it's a, a four a four hundred dollar uh, draft championship league. The um, the four hundreds, forget the thousands, but the four hundreds are, by all accounts, pretty decent replicas of the main event in terms of just like caliber of player who go in. It's enough money. That, well, it's a lot of money. It's a it's a ridiculous amount of money, uh, but it's enough money that people take it very seriously. Uh, people aren't diversifying so much as they're trying to put together a good team. So I decided because I am motivated and I am. I'm I'm giving this 110% now, Van. Like no 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 more of this 98% effort. I'm giving it 110% this year. I should do one draft before Vegas, and on the assumption that I will be in Vegas in like five weeks drafting my uh, teams, my projections are ready. Everything was ready to go. I just jumped into it. It just started yesterday, and it's uh, 
I don't know, again, if it's just because of the 400, if, if the one gentleman who has become pretty infamous for like running out the clock out in every single draft he's in, even though he does um, a lot of big money ones, is not in our league. So we got through, I think we finished six rounds in half a day yesterday. We're in, going into round nine. So it's uh, it has not, the, the things that annoy the crap out of me of doing these DCs have not popped up yet so i've enjoyed uh i i i'm probably i'm probably jinxing it i've enjoyed the first 24 hours of my one draft and I, there will not be a second uh draft i might do one of those online auctions the nfbc is uh, running those are a lot of fun and those are a really good way also to really test out uh your views on the on the player pool and on your valuations i might do a, an auction uh, as well, but but let's call this my only uh, preseason draft. So I'm I'm enjoying it. Well, we wish you luck in that league. And, and yes, luck, online auctions luck, are great. Schmuck, luck, schmuck. Hundred and ten percent. That's what's going to get you there. Well, I'll ask the one question. I'm sure every listener has on the top of their brains. Who was your sixth round pick? Um, first off, nobody cares about this. Like people, <laughs> these the, a few people have asked me like, why aren't you? Uh, tweeting out your your draft board, I'm like, because nobody cares. I'd like, like I might as well tweet out my Wordle score. I think it's <laughs> about as uh, as interesting. But since you asked, Van, and you sounded certainly sincere in asking, my sixth round pick was Jose Altuve. Uh, Jose Altuve, I, I we I don't think we've talked about Jose Altuve this off season. Uh, I don't know, Jeff, your views on Jose Altuve. Like it's easy to be stuck on all the things Jose Altuve used to do, but no longer does. And if you get past all of that, who Jose Altuve is now is a tremendous hitter, I think, in the sixth, seventh round. So uh, I was, uh, because I talk about him a lot, uh, and not just here, but elsewhere, Jorge Polanco went ridiculously early. Jose, uh, Polanco was who I was kind of in the plan going to get in the sixth uh, round. Uh, he went to Fish in the fifth round, uh, who's uh, who's a very good player and uh, does a, a, a ridiculous amount of these uh, drafts. But like, I have Jose Altuve, to be honest, uh, about 25 spots higher uh, than Polanco. And I love Jorge Polanco uh, for this year. So I was uh, I was happy with that as my sixth pick. I will not tell you any of my other picks, not because they're a secret, because I just don't think they're at that interesting. So there you go. Great stuff. Again, good luck in your Jeff, league. Do you like Jose Altuve this year at all? He, he It will depend where he's... He's still at the point, depending on where you're drafting. Like, you may not get the chance to get him. Yo, I'm not chasing Jose. I'll, just to be clear, I will right. not be going into draft saying the whole key is Jose Altuve. And if in like the third week of March, his ADP has gone up by uh, 10 picks, that's okay. Somebody else can have Jose Altuve. I don't want people to be confused that Jose Altuve is the linchpin of all strategy. I just think he's a pretty good buy where he is typically going in drafts. Right. And that's where I can see it. It's also like if somehow I've got... um. Albies already. I might skip on him. It's he's fine with some builds, but I could also see where it's like I I need some power. I might need a, it'd be tough with the speed. That sixth round kind of it. There's like okay speed without like really bumping up one of the um, rabbits. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I was a little bit torn between him and Jonathan India. India went two picks before me, so the pick the the decision was made ultimately for me. I have Altuve 
ranked significantly higher than India. But from a team build perspective, India obviously does has more speed. Uh, I already had Whit Merrifield, so I had Whit oh, Merrifield yeah, yeah. and and Mookie uh, Betts. So I was at a point where um, kind of Jose Altuve's six to eight to nine stolen bases is useful enough with the other things that he brings along with him. Yeah, and then that's what it's. I was kind of like working this last weekend from like, oh, I like you know who do I like late, and then seeing what I need to get early. And um, I just, I just know that I, I'm just low on power. It's something I've got to kind of deal with is figure out how I'm going to add that to my team. It so seems like I can. Let me ask you a question then about this. These, I, I, I swore I wouldn't talk about this draft because nobody gives a shit about my draft, but I, <laughs> it's an interesting observation. It is. So two guys who really slipped in in this draft, and it's it's. It's a, a, a an archetype of player that we've talked about a lot uh, this offseason is both Pete Alonzo and Matt Olson fell way past both ADP, but who cares about ADP, but like became the best value uh, in in the draft uh, pretty quickly, like for, for a good round and a half, two rounds. And... I totally understand why they're falling. Why do they fall? Well, first off, if closers are being pushed off, if speed is uh, pushing up, as we always say, something else has to fall, and it makes sense that they would fall. Second, as everybody knows, there are 426 really good first basemen uh, available uh, this year. So there are lots of people, quite understandably and quite smartly, entering into drafts saying, I'm just not filling up my uh, first base spot. And it doesn't matter how far Pete Alonso uh, falls. It doesn't matter how far Matt Olson uh, falls. Uh, I want Brandon Belt for free later, and I can't get him if I take Pete Alonso. Totally understand that. Um, But it's interesting. How how would you deal with a falling Again, uh, you can use you can you can substitute in Jose Abreu. You can substitute all of the power first basemen are tumbling down uh, draft boards. At least that's my observation now, having done exactly one draft. What's your approach in those relatively early rounds, knowing what's coming when you start seeing um, it's like holy like Matt Olson is by far the best player on my board, or Pete Alonso, or whatever, or Paul Goldschmidt, or whatever your preference is there. I I may have to jump in around the fifth or sixth round. And I don't know when did they go? Did is that when they went? So no, Pete Alonso went uh in the fifth round. Matt Olson went very early in the sixth round. Yes, yeah, yet one I like Goldschmidt better than both. Okay. And Pete and Paul Goldschmidt also went in the fifth round. Yeah. So Pete, Pete Pete Alonso went pick sixty-eight. Uh Paul Goldschmidt went pick 69. Uh, if I was a 12 year old boy, I'd make a comment about him going pick 69. And uh, Matt Olson went pick 77. From what, what I'm building, is I would not be surprised that I have to take them, especially if I didn't get like a lot of power in the first round. If I, if, if I had um, like Harper, I probably may not do it. But if I had someone like Tucker, I may have to go there. Jose Ramirez, like, I think that that you we'll we'll see how the builds start going with that later on. But I think depending on who your first round guy is, even Trey Turner, you may one of those guys just like Trey Turner and them, you're looking pretty good. Um, so it, I might you know put them together where you've got you've some speed, and you don't have one of the big like them with Vlad might be overkill. 
Yes, and, and you've filled up your corner, and there's nothing per se wrong with uh, filling up uh, your corner. Um, but yes, I, I, especially because unless you have gone, uh, I don't know who you would have gone, unless you gone Mondesi and somebody else, you're presumably with a Vlad smart, uh, start unless you're really pushing pitching uh, down uh, short speed. So I agree there. It's interesting, and maybe this is a fill thing, um, how many people are now lean team build as opposed to valuation, as opposed to I want to maximize the quote-unquote perceived projected value. Uh, I want to maximize projection. And there was an annoying online Vlad. Vlad is a terrible first-round pick because of team build considerations. I understand that. But it, it just, again, observationally, there seems to be way more people leaning uh, team build than just like, I want to get the best player on my board and I need to get $330 of value in, in the first 23 rounds and each $3 profit helps. Well, the one thing I sat down and did was I can get one of those guys, like zero speed guys, and per- 95% of the time get it to work. There's like, if you know, if you're, if it's really bad, you know, everyone's pushing you know, Cedric Mullins to the end of the first, you know, beginning of the second round and stuff like that. If there's just no speed available in that middle of the second round, but if there's anyone kind of left there, I think you can, you can get one power only guy in like the first six rounds and still make it work. It's getting two of those guys is where you're going to start running into problems. Anyways, enough talking about players who go in the first 250 picks. People <laughs> want to people want to hear guys available to them in the 19th round. Do we have anybody to talk about, Van, in the 19th round today? Boy, do we. We have several catchers <laughs> that everyone wants to hear us discuss for sure. I, I was actually going to say exactly that for those out there who are like, why don't you talk people in the earlier rounds? We just did. See, it <laughs> happens organically. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have some uh, news and notes to get into, so let's do that first. First off, Josh Jung, the third base prospect for the Texas Rangers, may need surgery to repair his shoulder. We don't know what the return timeline is. We don't know a whole lot of details about this. So, uh, Jeff, the question you ask is, uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, is he the replacement? And I believe Texas actually even came out and said that, by all accounts, he might be or should be. But we'll start with you on that one, Jeff. How are you treating the Jung situation? Are you just completely staying away from him? Are you bumping uh, Falefa up your lists? What are you doing with this? Um, I think I'm just going to stay away. I think the one thing is if you're if the season was ready to start, Jung's still not available, and you just need some speed. I think Falefa is fine. Late round add, you can use him on. I don't know what he's all qualified at. I think it's just shortstop this year. So that might be an issue, but if you just need some late speed for a month, put him in there and then move on. But I don't think that it really just kind of sucks. I thought Young was, he was like the one rookie that I was kind of interested in possibly rostering on teams. And um, I was just kind of waiting to see just how the situation was going to be at kind of more of what the, um, the, um, the contract between the players and the owners was going to be just to see, you know, if he could come up right away and I might bump him up quite a bit, but right now I'm just going to kind of stay away from it. And Holy cow, 156 games at shortstop one at DH. So yes, he's strictly a shortstop in most leagues. Uh, but he'd get third base eligibility. If he uh, is their starting third baseman. Um, I, I think 
people may not fully appreciate just how unrosterable Falafa was um, well, the for half? like for the the not just the second half, like the last two thirds of the season, because he he came out of the gate like a bat out of hell, speed wise. So you look at his season long stats. And you can say to yourself, and, and I know how you get to this point. It's like, huh, like, uh, 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 let me let me draft him late, uh, get some cheap speed out of third base, and I'll figure out third base like in in a in a fab league down the road. And like from from middle of June on, he had like five stolen bases and no power, like three home runs. Um, if I'm Texas, first off, like despite the Texas spending a billion dollars on on the two big free agent signings, Texas is still an atrocious team. Um, like their lineup projects to be one of the first or the five or six worst lineups again with 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 Simeon and, and Seeger uh, in there. Uh, one of the five or six worst uh, lineups in the game, and their lineup is their strength. Their pitching is is their weakness. So they're they're hashtag bad. Um, they like Falafa because he's he's a good glove guy, and so he may play every day. So in a in a DC where like every plate appearance, no matter how disgusting, is worth something, I could see them just putting it out there because he's got a decent glove. I could also see them moving like Simeon to third for for the short term if there is a second baseman they can sign the free agent market. Like maybe that's the landing spot for VR. Maybe Josh Harrison. Like it's not awesome, um, but from a fan, like an actual fantasy perspective, he's he's not very useful for often unless they they start playing him at catcher again. And then he becomes really good, but uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. So there you go. We'll have to wait and see what the situation looks like. Uh, who knows? Within a month or so. Well, we also have a little bit of fantasy baseball news coming up, and that is that tonight is the labor draft, uh, League of Alternate Baseball Reality, I believe is what that is. And, of course, they do that every year with a lot of experts in it. Jeff, you're in it again this year. I believe 12-team. Are you doing mixed or league only this year? I am doing a mixed auction. I'm actually not in this one. Just the one thing I would like to bring up about this one is it's like an open draft that you kind of – I don't even know if the NFBC's had one where it's just like it's a standalone league and people can um, see what the different strategy – strategies will be like some people will just drop saves you kind of you can kind of look at some teams and see how that build goes also this league allows trading so maybe there'll be some teams that will overload on certain things they don't have to keep everything balanced i think it's kind of more of like a standard besides like the 15 teams that's you know kind of a little bit high for your standard league but i think it's one of those cases where you could look at it and kind of see how different builds would work for standalone leagues and um and it's yeah, all, it's going to be open, and a lot of people will kind of see what they've done. I mean, there's some cases where someone would be like, "Oh, I didn't draft a pitcher for 12 rounds, and here's what my staff looks like." And then after you're done vomiting, you can, um, hmm. you know, just tell them they were an idiot. But it's I, I just think it's an interesting one just to kind of look at the draft board after all it's done and see how people are kind of handling closers, if how many people might end up just going no closers and stuff like that. It's always one of the first expert leagues that comes out in the season that we always like to take a look at. So probably not later this week when we do our episode, we'll have Derek Cardi on, so we won't discuss it there most likely. But we'll probably cover it next week and talk about trends and so on and so forth. So keep an eye on that when it shows up tonight and follow along. 
All right. That does it for the little bit of news we have. So we're going to get right into our ADP analysis, starting with pick 271, and it is Gary Sanchez. Now, I mentioned earlier that we have a lot of catchers to cover, so we're going to lump a handful of them in here. We have pick 271, Gary Sanchez, pick 273, Omar Narvaez, and then also, where is he? Pick 281, Mike Zunino on the docket for today. I'll read their stats real quick, and then you guys can talk them. Sanchez last year, 440 plate appearances, 23 home runs, 204, 307, 423. Narvaez had 445 plate appearances, 11 home runs, 266, 342, 402. And then Mike Zunino, 375 home runs, 33 home runs. Absurd. 216, 301, 559. Jeff, we'll go to you first. Of these three catchers, what stands out to you? Do you like one more than the other? Would you draft any of them in a league? Um. There's only one I would take, and that's Omar Narvaez. I've made the put stated before with the batting average, but with Zanino and Sanchez, they're just completely unrosterable. Um, over the last three years, Gary Sanchez, his batting average is 206. Zanino's is 188. Um, just for comparison, if you had a pitcher that threw 150 <laughs> innings and had a five ERA, they bring your how how bad they hurt the your standings is the same as a catcher with 400 at bats with a 210 batting average not alone a 200 or a 190 batting average like these guys will drag your team down possibly 3 or 4 points in the standings by rostering them and those their home runs and everything else is just like I said it could almost just take you out of those standings for it so I'll just you know have a few fewer home runs i mean over the last 3 seasons sanchez has well, he's sixty-seven, about twice as many as Narvaez on the home runs, but Zanino's only had forty-six compared to Narvaez's thirty-five. So I just don't want to tank my average, and I'll figure out how to get those home runs otherwise. So the craziest stat to me about Mike Zanino was he hit only one hundred and nine fly balls last year. Twenty-five of those one hundred and nine were in field pop-ups. Twenty-three percent means he only hit eighty-four fly balls to the outfield all season. 33 of them went for home runs. 39% of his outfield fly balls went for home runs, two and five. If his home run to fly ball rate had been his 2017 rate, his next best season of 27%, suddenly he's hit 23 home runs instead of 33 home runs. The easy, One of the easiest bets in baseball for this year is the under on Mike Zanino's home runs, and he's still going to hit 200, as Jeff said. So... He is such an easy uh, fade for this year. So I agree entirely uh, with Jeff. There's only one of these three catchers. Omar Navarez is a perfectly cromlin catching option. 2019 power seems like an outlier, but even if he just sort of does what he did last year, that's fine at this point of the draft. I won't stay on catchers long, but I do have one question, and that is if you are the kind of person who is going to draft Gary Sanchez or Mike Zanino, are you solely doing it because you want that power? Or are there people out there who do think eh, maybe they'll hit 235 or 240 or something like that? What, what do you think, Jeff? Or is it just strictly I need 30 home runs, so I think it's here, so I'll take it? Yeah, I think there's also some things where yeah, it probably is the home runs. I know one person that only drafts off that, like literally, like who's projected for the most home runs, and that's the player they're going to take. They just don't care about their batting average at all, and they just hope the runs and RBIs come with it. It's one way to draft. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't know. I think the other thing could be like points leagues where someone's just like, where the batting average doesn't drag you down, and maybe those might be 
kind of the ADP for that might be working its way in. And people just kind of just need to know that's like anytime you see anything under like a 230 batting average, it's just like, just move away, find some, find, find another option. Yeah. I mean, Gary Sanchez now has 1,425 plate appearances since the start of 2018 with a 202 batting average and a 219 BABIP. Maybe if baseball outlaws the shift uh, in these, in, in as part of the collective bargaining agreement uh, negotiations, as like, who knows what's going to happen? Um, maybe that would change things. I don't know, Jeff, how many plate appearances it takes for batting average to stabilize, but but fourteen hundred and twenty-five plate appearances of a two hundred two batting average and a two nineteen BABIP strikes me as a decent size sample at a certain point. Yeah, um, he, he he's he's definitely there, and then, but he's also got like the traits. There's nothing you're like, oh, he's got some speed. You know, he'll be able to leg out if you like. Now that ain't happening. You know. Oh, he pulls the ball all the time. Now, let's see, that batting average isn't going to happen. He hits your ungodly number of pop-ups you were talking about. Like, if he's not hitting a home run, it's an out since he hits so many balls in the air. There's just nothing in his profile that screams that he's going to start having a higher batting average. It's not even that you could say, well, maybe he'll be traded to a better ballpark for him to hit in. He's literally in the ballpark that, like, he should dream about hitting in for Gary Sanchez. It just ain't working. And to be clear, Gary Sanchez, like Gary Sanchez, is a much better real baseball hitter than he we're talking about. Like we're making it seem as if he's totally useless for the Yankees. He's not what they hoped Gary Sanchez uh, would be, but but he's still a very useful real player. You just don't want him on your fantasy team if you care about your batting average. So there you go, catcher talk. Let's move on. Pick 272 is Julio Rodriguez, who we've discussed in recent shows. 273, Narvaez. 274 is Max Kepler. Kepler, of course, the 29-year-old left-handed outfielder with the Minnesota Twins. Last year, 490 plate appearances, 19 home runs, 10 steals, 211, 306, 413. What do you think, Rob? Is there upside here? What's the reason to draft Max Kepler? Is it just you need a little bit of power, a little bit of speed? Um, I'll be honest, I hadn't spent a minute thinking about Max Kepler all off season until you sent around the ADP <laughs> list uh, for this week. Uh, he's just a guy that is so far off my uh, radar. And it's not that Max Kepler, unlike the catchers we just talked about, are are horrible. Um, he like <clears throat> look, the batting average isn't isn't very good. The power, like 2019, really looks like an outlier now. He he seems like a 20 home run uh, guy, uh, and and you know the left handed batter thing is is an issue, and and those 10 stolen bases from last year kind of came out of nowhere. So I wouldn't pay for uh, uh, for him to repeat that. So you put that all together, bad batting average, like below average power, and I don't trust speed. And that's the reason why I really haven't spent a minute thinking about Max Kepler uh, this year, which maybe is deeply unfair. Like at this point in the draft, when he's healthy, like he'll he'll play against all righties. He should. Maybe he'll get traded. I don't know. What do you think, Jeff? Like I, I don't want to be I don't want to be overly dismissive or glib about Max Kepler. But it's just I'm not uh, I have no interest in Max Kepler for this year. He's an easy person, easy ads. My do not draft list. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, the 
it seemed like he was getting um, the platoon issue was going away for a while, but it just came back last year. He's pretty much unplayable against lefties. So some of, a lot of his projections have him at like the 560 level. I just think Minnesota will find some way to find a right-handed bat to face those lefties. Um, and even with that, he's a drain on your batting average. And what's the upside? He's going to hit righties again? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that rabbit ball of 2019. The one thing I want to go back, it's going to be like 10 years from now, you're going to have to be able to do that, is look at the players that had their career high in home runs. And I, I bet 2019 just like sticks out like a sore, uh, sore thumb. It's just going to be like everyone. <laughs> it was That was the year everyone had their career highs. And then it just is like, we're just, and then with 2020 being different, like people are like, it's getting over um, weighted. And it was just like such a outlier season. But no, I have just no desire for him. I, I at least want a full-time at um, bat here. I don't want to be dealing with the platoon guy. And the, cent- the AL Central and the NL West are loaded with lefties. So if they do platoon him, he's going to be sitting quite a bit. It's a bad division to be in if you're planning on platooning for sure. All right, Max Kepler there at 274, 275, and 276 were a couple of pitchers we've covered recently, Aaron Savale and Josiah Gray. So moving on to pick 277, we have Giovanni or Gio Urshela, who, of course, with the New York Yankees last year, 442 plate appearances, 14 homers, one steal, 267, 301, 419. Not exactly an exciting slash line there, Jeff, but what do you think about Urshela at this point? Can he improve on that? I mean, a few years ago, he had 21 home runs and pretty much the same amount of plate appearances, but uh, never will steal the batting average. I don't know. Maybe there's some upside, but what do you see here? I think this is his ADP is 100% based on having the two positions in draft champions. Like someone needs a little backup at third base. They want to get a shortstop backup. That's why he's being drafted. So is he going to be coming in as the Yankees shortstop? You think they'd have someone better than that? And is he going to? And then at first base, is is he going to move DJ LeMahieu off third base? I'm not 100 percent sure. He's got like possibly has a job even come opening day, and with like the limited profile, I'm just I just don't want to count on him in a redraft league for a shortstop or third base. Maybe if it's he's going, you know, 100 picks later, and I have him on my bench, and I kind of see how things work out with some backup. But other than that. I just don't see a reason to be drafting them at all until like the playing time clears up. Cause you just end up with a complete zero, at least get someone that's going to play. Yeah. And I know, I know it's coming across like, like we're just, just smacking every single player this week around like a, like a fat kid hitting a pinata, hoping to catch some candy uh, falling uh, out, out of it. Uh, we, I, I did, I don't want to say we, I really liked Savali and, and Josiah Gray. Who who we just we skipped over because we've talked about them, but I actually really like them. So I don't want it. I, it is a fair criticism so far. It's like why are you guys talking about the nineteenth round if you're going to say you hate every single player in the nineteenth round? I like Savali. I like Josiah Gray. I do not like Gio Urshela. Um, he so roster our good friends at Roster Resources uh, have him as the Yankees starting shortstop right now. Why? Because as of today, they don't have a shortstop on their roster. He is 30 years old, Gio Urshela. Uh, he has started 33 games in the majors at short in his life, 285 innings, 
Not surprisingly, in that very small sample, the defensive metrics uh, tell us uh, he's not a shortstop. Uh, He won't be the opening day shortstop. I don't know who will be. It could be Carlos Correa. It could be like somebody like Ryan Goins. Uh, But it's not going to be. Gio Yushila is neither defensively capable of playing short, nor is he offensively capable of playing uh, short. So I agree with Jeff. I think there is just as good a chance that he is released or non-tendered or sent to AAA and see if he clears waivers as he is on the opening day roster. So while it is um, like it's it's hard to remember why people thought Gio Urshela was a like a promising, exciting bat, other than he's on the Yankees, and I don't think he's defensively good enough to get in as a mediocre bat. So I don't know that he makes this team, which makes it sort of a waste of a pick here, because even if he does make the team, I just don't think he does much for you. That's a good time to take a quick break. So let's do that. And then when we get back, we'll talk Casey Mize, Andrew Haney, Jesus Aguilar, and more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the home field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. Next up, kind of an interesting player here, or at least an interesting path he's taken to the majors. It's pick 278, Casey Mize. Now, Mize was, of course, a top prospect with the Detroit Tigers. Tigers drafted, and I think he may have been first overall pick a few years ago. He was. And he's 24 years old now. He tossed 115 to third innings last year across 30 starts. ERA was pretty solid, 3.71. The walks were good, 2.45 walks per nine. Strikeouts weren't great, 7.06 K per nine. What do you think, Rob? Is he simply a bulk kind of guy? Do you think there's upside because he's so young and because he was once a top prospect? Is he who he is right now? What do you think? No, I th- I think he... So I think there is a 30% chance that he takes a big step forward uh, this year and becomes a very good... Not I'm not going to say like top 20 starting pitcher, but a very good starting uh, pitcher with top 20 upside. And and the reason is, and I think Jeff uh, flagged this in a, one of his uh, Mining the News uh, articles uh, back in October. I'm going to read for this because we're, t- we're talking about a lot of crappy guys, and at least this one's sort of interesting uh, as opposed to just fun to make fun of. Uh, Casey Mize is looking to improve the results on his curve and splitter while hopefully throwing them more. He pitched most of 2021 without his usual uh, lethality, 
boy, that's a, an interesting choice of words there. In his trademark splitter, the whiff rate dropped from 28% to 21.9%. Pitch did not have as much vertical drop as it did in 2020. Didn't, Mize did not have a true pit, uh, put away pitch, despite the emergence of very good slider. That will be the main focus of his offseason. When you dig into his two pitchers, uh, pitches um, mentioned there, um, split finger and uh, the knuckle curve, the curveball, both of them are uh, like the, the actual metrics on them are not as negative as that, that quote uh, made it seem. But you can see why, like as a put away pitch, it wasn't getting massive amounts of swinging strikes. That being said, when you go to Alex Chamberlain's uh, useful uh, website, I get $2 every time I mention the website <laughs> now. Friggin' Phil Dusseau won't pay me 2 bucks every time I mention him. So I'm now mentioning uh, Alex Chamberlain every single show. The most um, similar pitches to his split finger were Kenta Maeda's uh, splitter, which, you know, now Kenta Maeda is, uh, is broken, but had very good splitter. And Hector Neris, uh, which again, like easy to say, oh, failed closer, very good splitter. Knuckle curve were Aaron Nolan, Justin Bieber. Um, uh, Shane Bieber. No, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber in, in, in the uh, the punk. Yes, Shane Bieber. Sorry. Uh, I, I was going to get into an argument with you and insist for like 20 minutes. It's like, no, it just I meant Justin Bieber, man. It would uh, work, Shane, by the way, because it, it would Bieber's, make me go, oh, my God, uh, knuckle curve. Now, neither of the similarities were particularly strong. Like it wasn't a 10 uh, similarity score. But those are the types of names you want to see jump out. And he just needs to get better at throwing that. So again, if I say there's a 25-30% chance that he makes it all work, that means there's a 70% chance that he doesn't. But I kind of like making bets on pitchers at this point of the draft where it's a pretty clear if A and B happen, then good things are going to happen. And, and A and B may not happen, in which case, especially in fab leagues, you you, you, you drop them and, and move on as opposed to... Um, let's hope and pray something happens. It's pretty clear what he needs to do to get better, and it's entirely possible that that happens uh, this season, unlike, for example, the next pitcher we're going to talk about. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, even if he's he's like got a nice base, he really hasn't taken like a step forward going through the minors. It's never, besides like, well, it's two innings. Like anytime he's thrown over two innings, his strikeout rate's always been below nine. He's always had a pretty decent walk rate. Um, once it was a little bit high, but like I said, normally it's around two. So there is this nice base, even if he doesn't take a step forward, that um, it's not going to hurt you too bad. He's gave up quite a bit of home runs for about a 50% ground ball rate, 4.4, um, well, I mean 1.4 home runs per nine um, with the 48% ground ball rate. But yeah, he's got a nice base. Um, and he may just stay the same too, but it's one of those ones where it's not like he's not going to kill you if he just keeps doing the same thing. Like he's just fine to keep doing this. And maybe he's a streaming option for you in the central. And if he takes a step forward, you get someone that took a step forward. It's fascinating to me how many fantasy players just loathe Casey Mize, apparently. And I think the reason that I'm kind of attracted to him as a pick here is that he does have the walks under control. So we know there is that baseline. Yeah, maybe the strikeouts never come, and that is a problem. But at this point in the draft, I think it's a nice little gamble for sure. So I agree with yeah. you guys there. Yeah, I think he's more like the Wade Miley, Chris Flexen, Kyle Hendricks type guy. You know, just 
as he is right now. And like you said, if, like Rob said, if we can get some more strikeouts, it'd be even better. For sure. All right. Pick 279. You hinted at him earlier. It's Andrew Haney. Oh, boy. What kind of upside do we have here, Jeff? Is Haney going to be able to get back to the 2018 numbers, or is he just uh, a really rough pitcher who at least strikes out a lot of batters? We've talked about him before. His strikeout and walk rate is really, really good. He had from last season. It's always has been the home runs. It's a skill he seems to have. And Everyone talked about him going to the Yankees and they were going to solve his problem and they didn't. And now he's off to the Dodgers. And if he could get him under control, if they have that secret sauce to have him, you know, finally, you know, stop doing it, stop hitting all those home runs, could end up being a top 30 starter. But it's just kind of a gamble if you think that they that there's some way that he can handle it. He just has not been able to. It's just a ridiculous the the home run rates one point six over his career and over six hundred innings. I don't know it. I could see taking a chance on it, especially probably like a twelve because you're getting to the end of the draft with that. Like you just can kind of drop him to see what happens. You know, hold him for a couple of weeks, but. It could just be horrible like it has been for the last three seasons. Yeah. The only argument on why is Heaney suddenly going to be different is Dodgers. Like that's the only argument uh, that you're going to make. And it depends how compelling you find that argument. I also, in my deep gut, uh, think the Dodgers want to go into the 2022 season with Andrew Heaney as their sixth starter. So how does that come about? Well, it's actually now a pretty straight line how it comes about. If Trevor Bauer is uh, pitching for them and if Kershaw resigns for him uh, with them, then Andrew Heaney, I think, is their sixth, maybe seventh starter behind, you know, depending what uh, what David Price shows up. And if I'm the Dodgers, that doesn't mean he doesn't start a ton like that. That's not. And therefore, uh, we'll you know, he's in long relief purgatory. Uh, why? Because they've got uh, Clayton Kershaw and they've got, you know, like we, as we know now, the things happen in a long season, but um, boy, he can hurt your, uh, your roster when you have him active, if you're not careful, but he, but maybe the Dodgers fix it all. I don't know. I have no idea. Like who the f- knows what, what, uh, what they're going to do to him. They'll teach him their secret uh, pitch and everything will get better. All right, let's see here. Pick 280, we've got an offensive player. It's Jesus Aguilar. Now, Aguilar shined with the Marlins last year and ended up having uh, 510 plate appearances, 22 home runs, 261, 329, 459. What do you think, Rob? We talk about first base having plenty of power and maybe some depth to it. Is this a first baseman you might target late in the draft? 100%. Uh, I think, uh, again, it's, we're, we're, it's easy to crap on everybody right now. Uh, Jesus Aguilar is um, a really good pick at this point of the draft. He hurt his knee on September 5th. So before September or on September 5th, he had played in 131 of Miami's 137 games. So 96% of games. So he wasn't platooning. They weren't resting him. He was in the middle of the lineup every single day. You add in the DH uh, for him, and 600 plate appearances is eminently doable uh, for uh, for him. Um, and 600 plate appearances of Jesus Aguilar uh, can easily outproduce first baseman going 
um, 100 picks earlier uh, than him. So um, he's a very good pick. The only risk with Jesus Aguilar from a draft strategy perspective is, so I love the value here. The challenge is there's only one Jesus Aguilar at this point in the draft. Like, I don't know who the next guy is uh, after Jesus Aguilar. And the reality is, if I, if I need a first baseman or if I just need power with a decent batting average at this point of the draft, I might jump him 30 spots because the difference between spot 280 and 250 is irrelevant. It's only opportunity cost, but but there's no value uh, difference. And if I'm the other team sitting next to me uh, waiting for Jesus Aguilar and suddenly that bastard Rob jumped him by 30 spots, I don't know who my fallback is, if that makes sense. So I really like the value here, but you need a plan on how you're going to get that value. And obviously, there's a certain point if you're jumping him 50 spots, then the value of Jesus Aguilar um, goes down at a certain point. But uh, but no, he's he's a, he's a he's a very solid pick at this point of the draft. Yeah, um, I was saying like I was working on my drafts, and I kind of put him down as a um, corner. Like I think I have to have first base kind of taken by here. And maybe even have like my second one. I mean, it, just depending on how things go. But he's one where he's like, yeah, that last one. And you might have to jump him because he is that last one. It's like that last first baseman you really feel good about. Um, so, no, I think he'd be great as like your corner on your team. Um, and the other thing with Miami is last year, Aguilar had only 49 runs scored but like 93 RBIs. I wonder if that's like the largest difference between players. You should look at that, like the that RBI run difference. But they're adding some players. It's not making the team great, but at least they're not horrible behind him. And they're talking about adding a few more ba- um, possible bats too. So you might even see a little bit of those runs, uh, runs actually come up if they can get a few people um, hitting behind him that can drive him in. There sure doesn't look like anyone on that roster that's really going to push him for playing time. So I think it's a pretty safe bet. He plays all season if he's healthy, for sure. Uh, easy oh. easy to imagine at the end of uh, the the season, Jesus Aguilar making like top 10 or top 15 most profitable uh, players list. And that's not me predicting he's going to be like a $30 player. That, that That's me saying he's free here. He's a dollar. This is a dollar or two dollars at pick two, uh, 280 ish. And if he uh, if he earns, let's say, 17 or 18 dollars, which is really just normalize his runs and don't get hurt in September, um, then a 15 dollar profit is not easy to find. Like that is really, really tough to find a 15 dollar um, profit. And that's Jesus Aguilar basically just sitting there begging you to pick him. Yeah. The other thing is, if you look at his projections, they only have him for like 120 games, 130, depending on the system. I mean, given those a little bit of a bump, even getting up to like, I mean, I'm going to be insane to put like 150, 145 on that. Those plate appearances are going to boost stuff up. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to play that game that much. But again, I like, I can make the argument like he 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 again he played ninety six percent of the games before uh, he uh, got hurt. So even if you want to regress that down a little bit, because you you know he's not a he's he's not uh, the most athletic player. 
but the, the counter is he only got 3.89 plate appearances uh, per game. You add in the DH, uh, you add in a slightly better Miami lineup. You can you could drop the 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 percentage of games down, and he could still get like an extra point two plate appearances per game, so it cancels each other out. So I don't think you're being uh, reckless by projecting him for let's say six hundred plate appearances, and that really does boost his um, projection, as Jeff says, by quite a bit. For sure. All right. Pick 281 is Mike Zunino, who we already talked. 282 is Cal Quantrill, who we discussed, I believe, last uh, the week before last. Next up is pick 283. It's Mike Yastrzemski, and Yastrzemski with the San Francisco Giants last year. 532 plate appearances, 25 homers, four steals, so a handful there. 224, 311, 457. Rob, do you think he could get back to hitting 270 like he had in the previous years? Is there upside here, or what do you think about Yastrzemski at this spot in the draft? Um, so, baby Yaz, since he made his debut per 162 game played, has averaged 96 runs, 30 home runs, 87 RBIs, and a 255 batting average. The problem is it is almost impossible to conceive of Yaz as long as he's on San Francisco and really can't hit lefties. Uh, playing anything close to 162 games, so Steamer, a fun, a fun, a fun fact, not everybody may know about Steamer projects like projections versus lefties, projections versus righties. It's not, it's not, uh, maybe it's hidden somewhere in the back uh, that Jeff has access to at Fangraphs. But if you go to Razball, you can see what players project uh, versus righties versus lefties. And at Razball, what what Rudy has um, Yaz for against righties, a 7.73 OPS, so not amazing, but certainly playable. Against lefties, a 6.79 OPS, which is uh, very, very, very bad. And maybe if you're good at this, and in certain formats, you say I'll draft him, and I will see their schedule each week, and if they're facing like six righties. I will use Yaz, and if they're facing lefties, I'll get them out of there, and I'll I'll play that game. I'm really crappy at playing that game. Like I can pick up Yaz if he's on the waiver wire for one week, and then drop him again. But I don't want Yaz on like in a short bench. Uh, I'm just like people get hurt, and I end up having to play Yaz against too many lefties when he's sitting or just sucking, and he becomes a. Um, a black hole for me. So Yaz is uh, uh, he's 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 a good good enough player for San Francisco, but he's not uh, somebody I can draft because of just my deficiencies as a manager. Yeah, the other thing with him is there is this platoon issue, and they platooned him last year. Like he was, um, he was coming out of games. He wasn't starting them all. Like against any lefty, he was sitting and. Um, even some righties, like it wasn't, he was probably playing two thirds of the time at best. You might see the 139 games, but he had 19 pinch hits. So he only played in 120 games, basically started. And then in some of those, he got pulled later in the game because they're platooning left and right. That's where it's like his had more games and fewer plate appearances than, than what the projections are saying. It's like the depth charts, just the way they look at it, they don't deal with the platoons really good, and they have him playing in fewer games but getting 60 more at plate appearances. It's just not happening. I think you have to – I think what he did last year is probably the best-case scenario. Um, definitely that um, – there was a few times he was um, full-time, especially before Bryant came over. 
like they just they were they were kind of hurting. They had some injuries, but he's a platoon bat, so you kind of have to just watch maybe max him out at like you know five that five thirty two last year plate appearance is probably the max you can probably give him. And like I said, he's kind of fine, but then you're going to have those weeks when he's like, oh, he's facing two lefties, I can't even start him, and even if he gets a home run that other games, you probably don't have him in the lineup. So at this point. I'm probably still going to be trying to find a full-time hitter. Like, um, we'll, no, we won't get to the next one. But um, there's just another one. Like, I would rather just take a chance on someone else. Like, we have Brandon Nimmo coming up. Like, I think he's going to be full-time if he's there. He's probably not going to platoon. I'd rather take a chance on him than Yastrzemski, where I just have to kind of deal with him all the time. Okay, let's move on to one more player here. We have picked 284. It's Alec Bohm, and Bohm with the Phillies was called up late in the 2020 season. Had a pretty good little run there where he hit 338 and a couple of home runs and 180 plate appearances. Well, he was slated to start the season last year with the team, and he just really struggled, never quite getting off the ground. 417 plate appearances, seven homers, four steals, 247, 305, 342. Jeff, he wasn't an elite-tier prospect, but he was a pretty reasonable prospect in the Philly system. Do you think there's still upside to be found here? Overall, what do you see with Alec Bohm coming into the season? Um, one issue he has that's underlying is he is atrocious in the field. He's going to be a DH. The problem is he's not hitting good enough to be like a DH. I mean, he had a barely, like, yeah, just about a 650 OPS last year. This an ISO under 100, and that was in 417 plate appearances. So he puts the ball on the ground a lot, but he's hitting it hard. I mean, that's kind of kind of got some like Eric Hosmer going on with him. I can see the upside. It's like, oh, if he raises. His launch angle, they allow him to go at DH. He doesn't have to worry about the field and makes probably maybe a little bit more contact like he did early on. He kind of struggled with fastballs, but maybe, you know, if he just concentrates on hitting, he could be fine and end up hitting, you know, 25 home runs with a 260 average or something like that. But I could just see it just go so much worse where he's hitting 220 and just with no power and just has to be demoted. So, I think there's a wide range of outcomes and he's someone, like I said, in those shallower leagues that I could see there's the upside that if I just have to can stash him on my bench for a bit and just take a chance that he um, breaks out, but otherwise I can just drop him and move on. Yeah. A year ago, he was projected by steamer for a 351 Woba. Um, for those of you who are still confused what the hell a good Woba is, 351 is like a top 50 real-life uh, hitter. So that was very good. And then last year was obviously a, a disaster. Um, but I agree. So I don't think he's a terrible bounce-back bet here, but he really needs to hit and hit quickly in the season. They signed Johan Camargo. And maybe we should make up like a, a line called the Johan Camargo line, um, which is just like Johan Camargo to me is the definition of a like real baseball replacement level player. He's not great, but he's not horrible either. And he can play in lots of uh, places and he's shown he can play a fine third base and he can have like a hundred WRC plus. Real in real baseball, that's really valuable. Like avoiding sucking is a, in plate appearances and not having truly empty plate appearances is a huge part of having a, a good team. So, like, 
could uh, could he be better than Johan Camargo out of the gate and like Johan Camargo never plays and never steps on the field? Of course he could, but he could also be in the minors really quickly. Uh, if and 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 if I'm Dave Dombrowski and if I'm uh, the Phillies, I'm like this is why we signed Johan Camargo because uh, Johan Camargo is uh, is right at the Johan Camargo line. So. The concern I'd have if I drafted him, and you look, if you if you don't have a third baseman at a certain point, he at least has a scenario where he's a fine third baseman, um, is um, presumably my corner is a first baseman. Presumably, I don't have a third baseman on my bench. And it, 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 uh, the last week of April, when he gets sent down and I need to go to the fab wire to find a third baseman, I may be picking up Johan Camargo as my replacement for him. And from a fantasy perspective, I don't know that I want Johan Camargo. Um, So I'll be honest, like we're not going to get to him today. We'll get to him uh, either with probably with Derek uh, Cardi uh, on Friday. Um, I would rather take a bet on a bounce back for Kevin Biggio than I would uh, with Baum uh, pretty easily, like without without, uh, much hesitation. Uh, even though projections-wise, uh, Bomb comes out uh, way ahead of him. So there we go. That's going to do it for today's show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Like Rob just said, uh, stay tuned later this week when we have Derek Cardi on the show. And out there, if you have any questions you want me to ask Cardi, tweet them to me. If I like them or if they fit, we'll put them on the show. We'll see. But for Rob and Jeff, I'm Van Lee, and we'll catch you next time on the Launch Angle Podcast. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.